Welcome to True and Unpolished with Lydia Singleton and Mary Howe. Our intention is to uplift, amuse, and inspire you to create more of a life you'll love through sharing our always true and often unpolished conversations. Let's get authentic, everybody. My son and his friends are doing a garage sale. Uh, And my Wisconsin friends, I know y'all say rummage sale, but uh, same diff, same diff. Uh, So they are doing this garage sale. And I see them sitting out there kind of moping because nobody's coming up. And I said, okay, what do you want? And they said, well, we want people to come and buy things. And I said, okay, now underneath that, how do you have to show up? in order to attract that. And they said all the things fun, da, 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 da. And they started to have fun and huh, customers. It was so cool. And I was like, thank you universe for really doing this because it was a good lesson. <laughs> I tell you this because I want to bring you into this episode earlier than you normally would come in. I'm going to bring you into the part where we are deciding how we are going to show up in order to be of service and to um, be truly helpful. And we talked about it a lot. We draw cards. And so you're going to kind of come in on that. Take a listen, everybody. We're pausing. We're ready in this moment to just relax and take a breath. We're just letting all things but this moment fall away, relaxing into this eternal moment, this holy instant. It is our intention to be truly helpful to Carrie and Mary and Lydia and to whoever is touched in any way by this episode. Love is here now informing everything that we think and say and do. Love's will be done. It didn't pop out, but it came up out of the thing. Okay, beautiful uncaging. Oh, we get that one a lot. Do we? Yes. I know we, oh, you're right. We have. We've had it. I think this might be the third time. I drew that one this morning. <gasps> no. Oh, because God. Amy sent me a, uh, that deck. And I, got I love that deck. Isn't it great? Oh, I do. And I was just thinking to myself, though, that I, I want to get, I want to get another. Um, it's been a long time since I've had more than this one. Um, okay. Yeah, so you drew it this morning. Of course you did. Of course you did. Okay. Okay. The key concepts, the prison of guilt and need for self-inventory, rigorous honesty, accountability, making amends. At this time, you're being called to assess where guilt is playing a part in your life. Recognize how it's affecting you and others and address it so you can release yourself from its grip. Guilt is a powerful emotional state capable of transforming difficult situations. Is that right? Guilt is a powerful emotional state capable of transforming difficult situations. It keeps you accountable for your actions when you've done something that causes harm. However, it can also feed a self-sabotaging cycle that fosters codependency and a distorted sense of personal power. 
Self-blame can lead to behavior that perpet- behaviors that perpetuate low self-worth. Have you done or said something for which you need to make amends? Have you disregarded a boundary or broken a promise? Guilt can make you aware of potential ways you have given injury and show you how to re- redress the transgression. When you sincerely admit you are wrong and begin the process to fix it, this is an act of accountability, responsibility, and liberation. Take a moment now to consider when you have harmed others or yourself. This knowledge will free you from the story you tell, from the story you tell about it, so you're able to connect with truthful remorse. Now is the time for rigorous honesty as you take a self-inventory with a neutral state of mind. A good question to ask yourself now is why the guilt is there. You might be taking on a burden that is not even yours to carry. Pay attention, take action, and uncage yourself from the prison of your own making. That was perfect for today. I'm just going to say, I don't even know what I'm going to say. I love it. But (laughs) the pump is primed. But that, can I just tell you too, there was this one cool thing. Um, The last episode, Carrie, you said, I don't even know why, but I know that this is on purpose. And then you got to this huge realization by the end. I mean, it was just, it was so good. So it was like brain spotting in action live and on the radio. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So guilt. Okay. So why do you think that card, like I totally felt as I was reading that, I completely felt guilty, shame. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt the first time I heard it today. Yeah. I can maybe jump into the paradox with my character that I decided I wanted to talk about oh, regarding your character yeah. archetypes. So normally my main character, my, the person we talk about in archetypes, you know, who are you drawn to in books and why? Cause they have bright shadow qualities. A lot of the time that you want to be is usually Elizabeth Bennett from pride and prejudice. Mm-hmm. But lately, and in the past couple of years, um, but I'm rewatching it now, I've been fascinated with Mrs. Maisel from mm. The Marvelous oh, Mrs. Yeah. Maisel. Yeah. And yeah. do you know what strikes me in that show that hits me with that card is the way that even in the 1950s and 60s, she is a mother. She is a housewife with those sorts of duties that came with the time. And yet... She does what she wants. Right. She dumps her kids on her parents, dumps them on her husband's right. ex-husband, and does what she has to do to bring herself alive. Uh huh. And, and she doesn't have guilt. That I mean, she Mrs. doesn't. And maybe sometimes she should have a little. But when <laughs> I project on that, I'm like, oh my God, how does she do that? That is so freeing. That is so incredible. Right. Because she is fighting for everything that she's worth to be the person, the the phrase I like to use that God created her to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, whereas I have spent most of my life, not only feeling guilty, but putting even more guilt, speaking of the burden that you read about, onto things that are not my responsibility. 
but feeling really caged, really pinned down by my own self and my own sense of, you know, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. Yes. So I think yes. for archetypes, the Mrs. Maisel archetype for me is one who, uh, the bright side would be the person who, um, fights not violently, but fights for who God created them to be and doesn't let anything hold that back. Like not hiding your light under a bushel from Sunday school. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fiercely independent. Well, what strikes me about that First of all, as soon as I said, right, that I had felt shame, both of you said, yeah, me too. You know, yes, me too. And I thought, for, and that felt really good, I have to say, when you said, when you guys like affirmed that, that you felt that too, because I really was like, oh my God, I made this card happen. <laughs> like I've messed the whole thing up because the universe really needed to tell me that I, how guilty I should feel. Um, and so that was really affirming to hear you guys say that. And then I thought, as you were talking, Carrie, obviously I'm saying this out loud before I've really processed it, but I think women in particular, my thought is that women in general have, because it's inherited from our mothers and then their mothers, this responsibility for everybody's well-being and happiness and okayness and I think it is us that feel guilty like I've thought about this and I, I almost asked my husband the other day like have you ever felt guilty like do you like <laughs> has that ever happened to you like do you know what that even feels like because I really feel like there is something about women in our society and western culture and guilt and maybe it's in other cultures too um i would argue too southern women in particular oh, sure. i read an article a few years ago that someone wrote about how southern women are particularly raised to feel responsible for in particular men's feelings yes it was pretty profound yeah and then that residual culture from the 50s and 60s that like my mom was raised in Someone mm -hmm. shared a quote with me a few years ago, and I think y'all have heard it, but it's something to the effect of women feel like they should work as if they had no children and that they should mother as if they had no job. Yeah. And so that's another piece in the modern like world. Impossible. Yes. Impossible. And I yeah. felt so torn, like I should be completely devoted to my job. Yep. And then I'm like, but I should be completely devoted to my kids yep. or I'm not a good mom. Yep. And I, that quote smacked me upside the head. Yes. That's what's so amazing about Mrs. Maisel is not only is she working and a mother, but she does ditch one of them. And is devoted to yeah, to do the other one. Right. And I'm not saying there's not a balance because yes. I think there can be, but um, yeah, just her, her not feeling guilty about living her truest life. Can I ask you y'all's opinion on something? Mm -hmm. I feel like, so I've heard along that same vein, I've heard it said that, you know, it was once that, you know, women were expected to be in the home and they needed to be in the home. And, you know, and so then there was this obvious, you know, a fight for women to be able to choose and, you know, and now we're at this place where it's like, you can have it all. 
you know, you can work and you can be a mom and you can. And my question is, can you <laughs> like, is it yeah. possible to like, you know, I mean, Oprah decided not to have kids. I've kind of thought about this recently too. And I, I don't think you can have it all. I don't either. I think, I think you can have it all in different ways, but mm. it's, it's unrealistic. I mean, right now I'm spending a lot of time working because I'm getting ready for an art show and I've got new opportunities presenting themselves and my house is a mess All right I mean there's so many things I'd like to do to take care of my home but that that's something that I've had to put aside for this moment yes so and I've had moments where I wasn't working as much I was spending more time mothering and taking care of my home and so um so I think I I guess what I was thinking about too um, and Carrie you mentioned about the the balance with Mrs. Maisel Mm -hmm. and when I did my research on queens queen characters oh mm -hmm. uh what I noticed is this imbalance and there's the evil queen and there's the, you know, good, maleficent queen. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not really, I, I don't think, I mean, I think in, if you look at stories across, you know, different fairy tales and myths that you see the imbalance. So yeah. you see the good queen or the bad queen, right. but you don't see a lot of the integrated right queen yeah yeah Yeah. that's a great point mary because i was going to agree with you both and say that you can't have it all because something goes by the wayside something suffers and you know it's like that abundance trick you can't receive something new if both your hands are already full oh yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, you're reminding me so this is a cool story um Queen Margaret of Scotland, who is who was alive in the 11th century, happens to be my son's saint's day, November 16th, mm. but he's also related to her. How cool is that? Going back in the genealogy, I'm one of those nerds. Oh, wow. You went I'm that like, far How back? many people are related? Yeah, it's crazy. And because there's a point you hit, they're called gateway ancestors that you can find. But my dad found a whole nother path. I'm doing my my husband's side for my kids and found some amazing stuff but Queen Margaret of Scotland what I was thinking about queens is like you know in in a royal household like that you know the queens didn't nurse their own babies they didn't raise them they didn't take care of them they had Mm -hmm. duties to perform as the queen Mm -hmm. and or could be selfish you know or they don't have to they've got servants Mm -hmm. um but I think honestly busy too with being the king's wife but queen margaret of scotland interestingly i learned um not that long ago i learned more about her we talked about her in one of our weekly worship services at work and she was on her way back gosh i'm gonna forget where she was going on the the boat and it like kind of shipwrecked and ended up that malcolm 
the king of Scotland fell in love with her. And so her whole life was just like diverted and she became the queen, but she was very, very devoted to the poor and to the well-being of all people. Mm -hmm. So much so that she pushed her husband. She used her power for good. She pushed mm -hmm. her husband to do what was right and to, yeah. um, to spend more resources on feeding people and taking yeah. care of people and so that's that not exactly related to raising children, but I loved that she um, was able to strike some sort of balance there in life using her power to. Well, yeah, I do think out. it's like raising children mm -hmm. in a different way. I mean, raising mm -hmm. the, your the people. Yeah, your people. Yeah. Caring for your people. Mm -hmm. So the queen research that you did, Merrick, is there something in particular that stood out to you that, and especially because what I'm doing now is I'm thinking of what I looked at this past uh, week or so, but I'm looking at it through this lens of this guilt thing that we're talking about, because I think it's real purposeful that we got that card. So I'm wondering if you've got anything from your research. from the uh, As far as guilt? Yeah, like do you, does anything stick out to you, or you well get I think yeah I think um I mean I think for me it's about integration of the shadow parts of myself and and the bright shadow and the dark shadow yes and that's and, me too that's exactly me too yeah well so I was listening to somebody uh online um just a little while ago and she was talking about not being in your head mm. and <laughs> not in your heart. Mm -hmm. And I think the message was for me that I have, I have been in my head recently, mm -hmm. but I, I've, I'm a feeling person, right. and, which feeling emotion isn't necessarily in your heart. Right. So you've got your, reasonable mind and you've got your emotion mind but then you've got your heart state your heart sense and that's a combination of the two that is more integrated and taking into account both of those things so that you have this deep knowing in your heart yeah so I think when we think about emotions we're feeling it and so a lot of times that feeling is right in your chest Mm -hmm. But if you drop a little bit deeper, then there's where the wisdom is. Mm. I'm not the emotional wreck that I, I've been in the past, um, but, but maybe I'm, I am too much in my head. And so, um, and when I say emotional wreck, that sounds a little invalidating to myself. Yeah. Yeah. And so you know, my emotions are good. Our emotions are good and they're helpful. And so, so then we, you know, the pendulum swings and then we end up stuck in our head and that's not any more helpful than being stuck in our emotions. Mm -hmm. So letting that pendulum kind of swing back and, and centering in the wisdom. Mm -hmm. Maybe Mary, as you were talking, I was thinking about y'all's wonderful metaphor, which I have shared and people have loved of turning the volume up or down. Mm -hmm. Like when you right. say emotional wreck, I feel drama, but I also think of that as just being a little bit out of balance. Mm -hmm. uh, not that the emotions are 
are not important at that time. And that balance isn't there to swing you back to the other side, but it's just maybe not in balance in that moment, which is, which is okay. Um, right. But I think um, also you are in the heart triad on the Enneagram. So I was thinking balance there too. Maybe it's okay with, you know, to pull in some head and gut and all the different pieces from time mm-hmm. to time. Well, we've talked about this, Mayor. I mean, it, over the last like year and a half, it was like we switched because I'm in the cerebral triad, you know, right. and I'm very much in my head um, and logic and all of that. And it felt like we switched in a lot of ways, like I've <laughs> become emo- you know, more emotional. Um, but I think that what it is, it's about you know, bringing back the treasure, like you said, it's integration. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, bringing, you know, for you, I guess it would be bringing the head back to the heart space. And for me, it's bringing the heart space to the head space. But that concept of integration is exactly, exactly what I'm going through. And with my word of the year fears and the, and the character that I chose, um, is what uh, is it? What's I can't wait character? to hear about. Hear it? Okay, yeah, it's it's uh Lady Grantham, uh, oh. from uh Downton Abbey, and she is uh, I flip and love her, like, she <laughs> is so she is definitely fierce, and she, <laughs> like, I even I, I printed a thing that has like all her best quotes because she has the, like the most amazing quotes. Oh, awesome. This is um, Lord Grantham's mother, right? Yes, yes, Grandmama. Right? Yeah. yeah, Grandmama. yeah. And so she says, I know several couples who are perfectly happy and haven't spoken in years because she, <laughs> like she said, anyway, so I've got all these great quotes, but what she is is, uh, what I think drew me to her is she is number one, she is very put together. So I love that about her. And she is, you know, royalty, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she also is uninhibited uh, in the sense that she doesn't have a husband, like he died well before this show started. So yeah. she's like, on her own, her children are grown, like she's you know, she's her and she's, you know, she just tells it like she sees it and it, and it's not that she's necessarily like, she certainly wouldn't be what we call politically correct in any way at all, (laughs) you know, very Uh, direct. (laughs) Right. And it's kind of bringing that fierceness, that sassiness, um, and I'm, I hope that this will translate and make sense. But I remember, Mayor, I was at your house. Oh, Carrie was there. Carrie was there. It was right before you moved. Yeah. And I had gone back to visit and I was there and we were all sitting around the fire. And I had this experience of being like the old me, but, but not but with the new me, it was this integrated part, you know, that, um, and I would say, when I say the new me, what do I mean? I mean, the, the me that has been committed to love and, and, you know, love being my religion, my foundation, uh, and committed to, um, you know, showing up as love and also not being a victim 
you know, like letting mm-hmm. go of that victim. And whereas before, you know, uh, I definitely was very saucy. Um, and I thought I was hysterical, um, whether other people did or not. Um, but I was cutting like, you know, Lady Grantham, you know, I would say a sarcastic kind of thing that was cutting a little bit. And that is, um, what I'm working on. I love, so one of the things, and Mary did this for me just yesterday, I was telling her about something that had happened with, um, something that happened where someone was obviously like trying to avoid me. It was very clear that they were like Mm -hmm. trying to avoid me. And I, and my feelings were definitely hurt, but I didn't say that. Like, I didn't say it to my husband. He was right there with me and he didn't like, it didn't occur to him that my feelings would be hurt by it. And Mary, like the first thing she said was, I'm so sorry that happened. And it's like, it, it got to me because I went, oh, like she knows, she knows that like I had an emotion about that. Like she knows that I had a feeling about that. And I, I'm trying to figure out <laughs> how to be a person, you know, I think I've, I've, uh, it's, I really have wanted to transcend the human experience and like mm-hmm. try to um, really um, embody my Christ self, my Christ nature, so much so that it's like I abandon the human part and yeah, then right. I feel guilt about the human part. You know fully what I mean? Human and fully divine. Really yeah. <laughs> I, and I, yes, yes. <laughs> and when it comes to in practice, it's much more difficult. Like logically, yeah. I'm like, yes, cerebrally, I can understand that. And then in practice, not so much. So for me, I think the emotion is more shame, mm. feeling shame about even the, even the bright sides, you know, yeah. if I shine too brightly, yeah, then that yeah. might cause problems. Mm. That's like, me. that's like the, one of the big ahas of my life when I was reading about procrastination. Yes. Which, relates to ADD and I'm so fear of failure and fear of success. And I was reading this amazing book called the now habit, which helped me so much, um, in some of the earlier days. And I thought, well, can you have both? Cause I have both. And then I went on to read, yes, you can have both. So what hit me, Mary is like shame over shining too brightly and shame over dark things or bad things too. And then that, that definition, um, I think it was Brene Brown who first, you know, I learned the difference between guilt and shame and that guilt is, mm-hmm. can be healthy. You know, you should feel remorse for something that you, you know, did that maybe wasn't right. But shame is feeling like you're a bad person. Right. Like you are bad. You yeah. are bad. Yeah. And so you are bad for shining too brightly. You are bad for making these mistakes you are bad for not making everybody happy those kinds of things well mary has said this to me and she's always said it she's always said you know guilt is important like guilt is something that we should you know should exist and i always don't want to accept that because the moment that i mean you could even just say the word guilt 
and I start to feel guilty. Like, honestly, it's so, so, and I, and so I want to reject it. I want to say, no, it's not good to feel guilt. Um, Like across the board, I just want to like get. Well, it's the purpose of guilt is to prevent us from doing harm to ourselves and others. No, and you know what? if, If your guilt is unjustified, so meaning that, you're not causing harm to yourself or anybody else, but your beliefs are telling you otherwise, Mm. then, then, then it's not helpful. But the helpful part of guilt is when we stop a behavior that is harmful. Right. And I hear you. And I think that's why I don't want to do it because I, my thinking, this is literally my thought when, when you said that, I thought, well, I'm, I'm hurting myself, so I shouldn't have to feel guilty if the only person I'm hurting is myself. Huh. Interesting. Uh, right? But maybe you should so that you stop hurting yourself. Right. According to Mary's very helpful definition there. I was going to say it's getting me confused between um, guilt and shame, which I know has always kind of been something for me. What you commented on, Mary, if the guilt is what did you say, um, imagined or, um, created your belief systems are not, I mean, if you're not harming yourself or anybody else, but your belief is that you are, then your guilt is unjustified. Doesn't Uh, mean it's not valid. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. it's not understandable, but it, it just means it's not helping you. And so that's when Mm -hmm. changing your thoughts, recognizing, bringing conscious awareness to your thoughts and shifting your thinking. Got it. But what Lydia is talking about is not the same thing because what she's saying is I am doing harm to myself. And what I hear is I don't matter. Other people yeah. matter. I don't matter. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But, yeah. But that's, that's well, not true. You do matter. You know, I mean, whether it's you or somebody else. Sure. And, you know, it's interesting because it's, I I listened to what you said and you said that it's possible to believe that you're hurting yourself, but you're actually not, and you're feeling guilty about it. Um, And so, and then I thought, oh, that feels familiar. Like it feels, Mm. because one of the things that I didn't know, honestly, until recently, because I spent all of my time wanting to be older, like growing up in an adolescence. Like I'm always, I even still look at my kids and I'm like, they like being kids. Like they don't want to skip it. No wonder each has a character that's like grandmama. Yes, grandmama. (laughs) I love it. And so matriarch. Exactly. I've always wanted to be older. And, and what I didn't realize until recently is because I was, I would feel guilty about these things and all this stuff that I've been processing about, you know, childhood, which I know is so cliche, but whatever, I had more childhood to do. So (laughs) I've done it. And my, and my therapist said to me, I know that you think that you were an adult, but you weren't. And I realized that, oh, the reason why I wanted to be an adult is because I felt like one, you know, I was taking on the responsibility of, of an adult, not just, you know, in terms of 
physical action, but the responsibility of like managing everybody's feelings and making sure everybody was okay and all of those things. And so I'm wondering, mm. I feel like it's the same thing when you say, you know, you think you're hurting yourself, but you're not, and you're feeling guilty about something that you shouldn't feel guilty about. And, and it kind of, mm, something in me went ding, ding, listen to that. And so I feel like wow. they go hand in hand, but I'm not sure how yet. I was going to add when you were talking about that Brene Brown quote, mm -hmm. um, what I understand about guilt and shame is guilt is external, more external mm. and shame is more internal. Mm. That fits. Mm. So we, well, and that, and actually that's not true because other people can shame us. Yes, but it's more of the internal experience mm. and the internalization, taking mm. those messages that people cast on us. They can right. shame us, but mm -hmm. there's a line in the um, we got a lot of quotes today, don't we? Mm -hmm. A line in the New Zealand prayer book in the uh, Lord's Prayer that says, Forgive us the hurts we absorb from each other. Oh, that is powerful. Is so powerful to me because, yes, people can cast spells on us. Yes, they can harm us and shame us. Yeah. It's, not, it's easier said than done, but yeah. ideally, we can be stronger. Um, listen, you know, in case there's truth in it, but also be responsible for our feelings yes not letting someone tell me I am yes never less can than. you say that one more time the line is in it's in the the Lord's prayer and it says forgive us the hurts we absorb from each other forgive us the hurts we, oh yes exactly <laughs> yeah and I'll tell you so my understanding and I don't know where I got this definition from or it's not a definition but an example it's guilt is I did something wrong mm -hmm. and shame is I am wrong mm -hmm. or you know I did something bad versus I am bad yeah and it yeah. so yes right and where does this, so where does this come in? So now I'm looking at, cause we were talking about archetypes and like how uh, they could help us, how they could be helpful tools. Yeah, Mary. Okay. So I, I think this is, this is certainly relevant to my archetype of the queen and the priest or priestess. Uh, and I, so one thing that I've, that has come up several times before and since the last episode, we were all together is um like goddess energy mm -hmm. and so um i did order i ordered two decks of goddess cards so oh, they're, nice. they're on the way i haven't gotten them yet mm -hmm. but also uh like one friend texted me and said do you have any rituals that you know about about balancing the feminine bringing out focusing on the feminine and mm -hmm. I I think that while it's I think I know it's important for the the card the archetypes that I uh, attracted but but I think it's true for all of us um that there's a shift to from a, a masculine heavy masculine energy over the last 200 years mm -hmm. to a, a a more feminine um open receptive nurturing energy 
And so we're actually living in a world where this shift is occurring, but people are holding on to that same masculine energy. Mm-hmm. And um, we don't we don't know how to function in, in the uh, new feminine energy. And well, so- it's scary. I mean, you just think of what you just used to describe it. Open receptive like to be open and receptive is so scary you're you're vulnerable it's like yeah yeah hello there's nothing that would you know you need more courage to do right (laughs) than just open yourself to this experience right right and how much of that is because we we have as women as feminine we and 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 this applies to men too it's Mm -hmm. not you know just because we're women doesn't mean you know that it only applies to us because we all we're all souls who have both feminine and masculine energy I totally agree but I also think that there's a reason why we come the way that we come so if I am born identifying as a woman I'm not even talking about anatomically but if I identify as a woman then it means that I'm there is a part of that experience that's going to be more pronounced for me and it doesn't mean you know that we don't have both right but it it does mean that there is Mm, there is purpose to whatever uh, gender we identify with in this lifetime. Right. I mean, I certainly agree with that. I think the, 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 the point that I was making is that for all of us learning to embrace those feminine qualities mm. and several people I know are consciously choosing to recognize and do this yeah and i i i think it is scary yeah and it also is critical totally or uh one it's already i mean the shift is already occurring yeah and so if we choose to fight it Mm -hmm. and stay stuck in that masculine dominated Mm -hmm. energy yeah and the masculine is just as important as the feminine right so that's not what this is about it's it's kind of recognizing that embracing those feminine aspects of openness Mm -hmm. and receptiveness Mm -hmm. is critical for us shifting in a way that is less painful Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. because the shift is going to occur right and we've been out of balance We've been out of balance. And so this is going to be on the opposite end of the spectrum, but it just popped into my head. What Mrs. Maisel says um, in the most recent episode, I was watching, re-watching in one of her routines about women. her, Her routine goes through a lot of things women are dealing with. And then she says, what if we discover one day that we were always the ones in charge? Just no one told us. And it's very powerful in that moment, given the, again, that culture of the fifties and sixties and how hard women in particular, as they're defined at that point in time, kind of, you know, archetypally, how hard they work to keep everything going and manage everything to your point, Mary is like, yes, we, and Lydia, we've been out of balance, um, 
women to rise in the workplace have had to embrace more masculine energy to work through a patriarchal culture. And um, now it's, it's time for all of us to, to lead through some more of that feminine energy that we all have. And the ultimate goal is for all of us. It doesn't matter our body parts or gender mm-hmm. is to bring those energies into balance, which recently in, in the dream work I do, there's, we're starting to get a lot of pushback about the gender oriented union language of the cities. Oh. And so we can call them logos and eros and logos is the word or logic and eros is that feminine, open, mm. receptive Mm. to kind of help with taking those labels away and so anyway the goal is to have those those in balance where where we've been so out of balance for so long right so so I know that personally I mean you guys know too because I've been talking about it a lot I know that I one of the things you know that I've been working on like in couples counseling with my husband is this being vulnerable being open being receptive Uh, and you know, I like actively have been working on this and it's a big challenge for me. Mary was talking about how this is showing up in her life as well. She talked about the azalea bushes and feeling vulnerable and exposed, and she's having to bring in that queen feminine energy. So I'm wondering, Carrie, because what we're talking about essentially is that there were microcosms of the macrocosm. Like we're recognizing that this is a global thing. This is a human race thing where, we are having to try to all collectively invite this feminine receptive energy and like turn down the masculine because we've been out of balance. So I'm wondering, do you have a place where that resonates in your experience, Carrie? Uh, yeah, my entire journey with the Hayden Institute these past 20 mm-hmm. years has been about that where I did my dream training yeah. and I can see um, Bishop Larry Mays, he's one of my beloved teachers standing in the chapel at Canuga Camp and Conference Center one morning um, for a morning meditation and in his his beautiful voice saying you are invited to help bring into balance a world that has been so badly out of balance for so long yeah he was talking about the feminine energy yeah so interestingly for me I think have a lot, a lot, a lot of feminine energy, more overwhelming. We've done some work where you can kind of assess where you are in your life and like what energy you act out of more. And again, so it doesn't really matter um, what, what your body is like. It's what, what energy is dominant in you. Mm -hmm. And I've had to embrace more masculine energy, but we're not, we're not called to be entirely masculine. So what I will try to say is with this journey with codependency and more, it's about claiming power. I like the queen for this. Mm-hmm. I like Mrs. Maisel for this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Mrs. Maisel is so feminine. Yeah. And she, so masculine. I mean, she's both. She's like the balance, I think. Out there in the world. Yeah. She's like active mm-hmm. masculine energy is active and, but she totally embraces what femininity it was defined by in the culture at the time, mm-hmm. the clothes, mm-hmm. the makeup, the, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And so I, I like that. And then 
then she's saying, what if we were the ones in charge all along? Just no one told us. Um, I think that everybody agrees. I don't think that there's one person on the planet or certainly in this country that doesn't agree that things are absolutely insane. Like everyone has gone crazy. The whole, every, like everywhere you look, it's like, oh my gosh, like, how is this even happening? So do you think that at the end of the day, we could boil it down to this, the, that we have been out of balance with these, with this feminine, masculine energy and our work then collectively is about bringing it, you know, bringing that back in. And then if that's true, is it as simple as, well, how do I help the world? I show up to couples counseling with my husband and I work on being open and vulnerable. I mean, uh, I, I do in a lot of ways think it's that simple. Um, this might, this will be perhaps the heretical side of me coming out, but I don't think it's heretical. So I think that Jesus was the epitome of those energies balanced in one human, mm -hmm. the, the human and the divine, the masculine and the feminine. Mm -hmm. There's a lot in the Bible um, about the feminine energy that just has kind of gotten pushed aside over the years. But another one of my dream teachers was raised as an activist, a political activist. His parents would go and protest and stuff. And he, they thought that was the way to change the world. Right. And he one time said, I no longer believe that. Mm -hmm. He said, we all have got to do our inner work, which is all about balancing mm -hmm. in order to bring less darkness into the world. Yes. And I do think the outer things matter. I do think activism and advocacy and mm -hmm. um, working on um, racial reconciliation and public policy and all those outer works matter. But what I am most interested in is how do we, we each bring ourselves into balance because then we bring a more healthy, whole balanced version of ourselves to that ex external work. Mm -hmm. So that work is healthier. That work is balanced. Mm -hmm. And that's how we can create a more balanced society. And to your point, going to couples counseling, that's a wonderful, the marriage symbolizes the, the masculine right. and the feminine coming together. If it's, you know, whichever person embodies the masculine energy more in the marriage and whichever embodies the feminine more, mm -hmm. those two working together, Yes, uh, work doing that work is, is a way, and then each doing your inner work. Right is a right. way to do it. And so we have to be, for me, devoted to that inner spiritual work. And that's why I'm really drawn to the Gnostic gospels and some mm. of the teachings of Jesus that are more about going into that deep spiritual place. Mm -hmm. yes. And the external ministry is, of course, right. important. Again, balance. Right. Mayor, do you, do you have any thoughts on that? I don't have anything new to add. I, I agree. I think that it is, I do think it's that simple. And yeah. We yeah. just tend to yeah. let our egos take over. Yeah. And, yeah. and we get, we get lost. Um, yeah. But if we do our, if, if every person on the planet who is conscious enough. Yes to do the work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I actually did the work and yeah. took responsibility mm -hmm. and that's what that card said you know if I 
take responsibility yeah. and do a self inventory. Yeah. Then the guilt dissipates essentially. And so I think, I think that it, that is the call is to do my own inner work. And that's always what I have taught, believed, thought, um, and, and because of what I'm doing now, I'm making sure that I'm opening myself up to questioning things again. I think that I, for a time, I, you know, I was, I questioned, that's like a, a philosopher by nature. And what we do is ask questions, not give answers. And, and then I can't went into this role where it was like, give answers. And now I'm like, I want to ask questions again. Uh, but what this does is it takes us back to what I said, right? What did I say? I said, I shouldn't have to feel guilty because the only person I'm hurting is myself. Well, I guess not. Because if the work, right, right. if my right. work is truly about everybody, there's yes. no such thing as just hurting myself. That's so true. Every one of us is a piece of the puzzle, part of the human family, part of the whole creation. Yeah. That is so cool that you said that, Lydia. And this other, y'all have heard me talk about Matt Kahn, who is a spiritual teacher that I follow. And he, I was listening to something of his recently where he's like, what if everything that you do, like to try to bring yourself into balance or heal yourself, if mm -hmm. you think about it, that you're healing the whole world in doing right. this. And I yes. was like, that's just such a good thing to keep in mind, yes. not in, in an egoic way, but in oh. a, okay, this is not just about me. I need to do this, but this also, hopefully this energy, just kind of like a prayer, hopefully this energy yes. helps others get over their, you know, mm. guilt or codependency mm. or whatever thing I'm working on in the moment. And it's sad. Um, and ideally, you know, what Mary pointed out is, I mean, ideally I, it harming just me would be enough for me to change. Right. <laughs> I mean, Hopefully, ideally, but <laughs> I would get my worth enough to go, Oh, well, if it's hurting me, that isn't okay. Uh, and I certainly get that from my children. I just, uh, uh, a friend shared something with me. She was reading in a book, um, kind of helping parents with adolescents. And I love this formula and I wrote it down and I've been practicing it in my head because I'm going to talk to my kids about it. But it's essentially this idea that um, uh, the formula is this, it is freedom equals so amount of freedom equals amount of responsibility equals amount of love. So those three things have to mm, completely balance each other out, uh, be synonymous with, right? So if like as in, in, these, in this context, it was talking in terms of adolescence. So for my children, it's you are getting older. And as you get older, you're going to have more freedom. And with more freedom comes more responsibility. And with that, and so the amount of freedom you get must be equal to the amount of responsibility and to the amount of love your choices are reflecting, the amount of love to yourself or others, you know, those choices that you make. Well, it's interesting because to go back to guilt, I mean, there is a, a 
sort of similar thing that I teach and, and it's about balancing priorities and demands and balancing wants and shoulds. Mm-hmm. And I think you've added that love element, self-love and love for others, but it goes into emotion regulation. Mm. And so when those priorities and demands are out of whack or the wants and should, so I want to do this versus I should do this, mm-hmm. then, um, then our emotions become dysregulated. Mm, sure. and that's, really so that's where, that's where guilt is fueled. Right. Very often. So. Back to guilt, getting rid of guilt on the card is the great uncaging, which equals mm-hmm. freedom. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Which he said, so much was hitting me and freedom equals responsibility and yes. responsibility hopefully equals love. As you said, I think that's described well in the boundaries book by Henry Cloud, but it also puts me in mind of the scripture to whom much is given, much is that's expected. That's right. And it's not like, I don't think that God gives some people more gifts than others. Personally, mm-hmm. I think that if we do our inner work and we understand our gifts and it's like, oh gosh, well now um, back to your question about where has embracing the feminine changed me, Lydia? Well, just by doing my inner work, it's like, oh, well now I need to step up and step out. And I think Mary can attest to this. Like mm-hmm. I, over the past years, I have really grown in um, leadership and mm-hmm. confidence, even though you know, there's still work to do on all these things, but I mean, I'm a completely different person than I was from the, the shaming, shamed, guilty person hiding in the corner, shy, shamed, Mm -hmm. guilty. Mm -hmm. And I do feel a call to do, to do things with that, to change the world for the better. Yeah. Um, And because really, uh and truly there are times where I think honestly, the only thing that we should be talking about is how do we fix this mess? Like, you know what I mean? And, and so I feel like, you know, if we, if we think about it in these terms, and I guess I'm going to challenge myself, uh, to begin to, you know, um, adopt this knowing that, this work that I'm doing in couples counseling, this work that I'm doing with the brain spotting, this work that I'm doing with uh, self-love, it is for humanity. Yes. You know, it's so creating more peace right. in my own experience, doing right. my own inner work mm-hmm. grows yes. so that I in turn create more peace. Yes. And I, I may not have to do it directly. Right. But right. in turn, I create more peace in my outer world. And yeah. for me, the way I create more, and I think it's different for everybody, but I, I cannot watch the destruction and the mess and still be able to help. Like I, I can't look at it and, mm-hmm. and be able to mm, do the healing work and, and that sort of thing. So yes. this know. gets back to what I love about the monastic tradition, which now that we talk about the mystic without a monastery and being the monk in the world, mm. but being called to that inner divine place. 
But yeah. if you think about it in the old model in the middle ages, it's like, well, why did all those people hold themselves up, you know, away from the world? Well, think of them holding up the world in prayer. Yeah. So to your point, Lydia, about not maybe watching it all directly, but just yeah. truly yeah. trying, trying their best to go in and to pray and to hold up, hold up the world. And yeah. so how is, uh, how is grandmama going to help you? Oh, how is she going to help me? Well, what she's helping me to do is to understand that I don't need to feel um, guilty about being human and that it's okay that I'm a little cutting and sassy and fierce and, you know, and to have that balance. And I think uh, my intuition, guys, I know we're wrapping up right now, but my intuition is that we have just begun to venture over to beginning to talk about maybe some current current affairs now what is it current yes events? and maybe how how we might help you know maybe this is the beginning of that kind of conversation very cool yeah all right I love you ladies very much and I'm grateful for you both of you you have been listening to true and unpolished the podcast Let's see what happens next.